Our next guest today is an actor, an acting teacher, a translator. I, th- I would say he's a national treasure. Wow. He's, <laughs> he, he may not be a household name, no offence, but he's just always been there on our screens and you would know who he was if you, if you see his face. Francis Greenslade, welcome to the show. Thank you for having welcome me. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, so let's get started. <clears throat> who, how would you describe yourself to someone who may not know who you are? Oh, I'd just like to say I'm an actor. An actor? Just it, an actor? Yeah, it took yeah. me a while to, I think a lot of actors are like that, it takes you a while to get to say that without feeling pretentious or mm. or lying, Yeah, you know. So I always used to go, I, I do a little bit of acting, you know. Yeah. But I'm old enough now to look back and go, well, I've done nothing else. Mm. So, But, I, I mean, I do do other stuff necessarily, even with the best will in the world, you know, you're not going to be employed, um, you know, seven days a week. Mm. So... Yeah, I have done other stuff around the, you know, teaching and writing and directing and all that sort of mm. stuff. Yeah, now, I've noticed that you do a lot of comedic acting, in, and not so much drama. But yeah, was that a very deliberate not thing on your part? Not at all. When I when when I got to uni, um, there was a Footlights club that did review sketches, mm. but there wasn't really a drama club, so I joined that. And you know. Y- I'd love to do more drama and, and, you know, occasionally I do get to do it, but you can't choose what you get cast in, mm. you know. You, 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 I think that you, you set out going, oh, I'm just going to do everything because I can, I can do everything. Mm. And then you realise that, no, people are casting you in, in various different things. And, and, you know, the one thing about being typecast is you're at least being cast, you know. Mm. So, so I've given up worrying about it mm. too much. I remember I was working with this guy... Um, on a TV thing and he was going to the States and he, he was always playing the best friend, you know, the, the good mate, and he said, I'm, I'm going to go to the States and I'm just going to go for, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and get out of the, 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 the good bloke, best friend role and, and, and I went, you're not going to. I didn't mm-hmm. say that to him mm. because he just embodied that and, you know, that's what people saw him as and he wasn't going to get out of that. So, you know, um, perhaps he did. Mm. I don't know, but um, you, I think you've just got to accept the fact that this is what you do because this is what people cast you in. Yeah. Francis, can I? Inter- sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Would you mind just having this a fist away from your face? Oh, do you know why? Certainly. Because it'll sound perfect to us, but while we're listening to recording, sure. I'll have to just uh, appreciate that. Thank you. Is that better? Much better. Yeah, much excellent. Better. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, sorry, where were we? Um, the best friend. Uh, yeah, so I think, it, and and that's the sort of process of you self knowledge too. Mm. You start off thinking. I mean, I still think I could play Hamlet, and yeah. every comedian thinks they can. You know, mm. they're the best dramatic actor in the world. And you know, comedy is harder than drama. Mm. I think. No. Um, so they probably can. You know, would be the best Hamlet in the world, but you you don't get a very very really. It's a completely helpless profession, really. Mm. You you don't get to choose when you work, and you don't get to choose what you do unless you're, you know, right at the top of the mm. the the field. Uh, but there's a joy in that, you know, you just something, you know, I, 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 a few years ago that they the MTC cast me and Sean McAuliffe in The Odd Couple. I never... I saw that. Never, oh, right. Love that, yeah. Well, I never thought in the world... I never ever dreamt that I would do The Odd Couple. It wasn't something that mm. I particularly desperately wanted to do and not something I expected to do and suddenly there it is. And great opportunity and it was you know fabulous but um time but 
it, it wasn't planned for. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've wanted to get you in here because you're very often playing the sort of second fiddle to, you know, Sean McCarlough. Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever sort of seen you in a sort of long formed interview before. So I wanted to get oh, okay, to know yeah. you more because I don't know that much about you. So, um, I, I get, do tend to play the idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And but then you know, not everyone can play the idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what what does acting mean to you then in your in your life? Uh, it's a fairly self. It's a fairly all consuming identity. Mm. You know, I think I have. I mean, I'm a. I have children, mm. so I'm a father and I'm an actor, and those two things are fairly, you know, all mm. all, all em- embracing. I remember going to see. You know, I'd go and see th- theatre when I was little. My mother would take me to, to, to plays and I would look at those actors and I would think they were the the most extraordinary human beings I'd, I'd ever seen. You know, they were, self, they were confident, they were vulnerable, they were funny, they were open, they were sexy. You know, they were absolute demigods and what a wonderful thing to be able to do that. I never actually thought for a minute that... that that there was a path for me to do it, but mm. it was just the most extraordinary thing I'd ever seen. Mm. Was that the first moment you fell in love with acting? Well, or I think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was a moment. There was, there was the idea that that's that is really quite extraordinary what they're doing. Mm. But then there was never really a point at which I went right. I'm now going to be an actor. It was just, uh, it was just everything else. I sort of unconsciously sabotaged along mm. the way, you know. So, you know, I went to uni but I wasn't going to use it. I wasn't going to use anything that I did at uni and I, I tried this and I tried that and it all, you know, I, I never pursued it with the same enthusiasm I was pursued mm-hmm. being in shows. So um, it ended up being the only thing left really. Mm. Yeah. It would be very hard to make a career in acting as well in Australia. It is. It is very hard. I mean, it's – and I come from Adelaide, so it was even harder yeah. then, yeah. you know, almost impossible. In fact, I don't know anyone that does it. I think if you're, you know, the, the voiceover king, you might be able to survive in Adelaide, but I think it's, you know – and even in Melbourne mm. and Sydney it's, it's pretty hard. It's a much more global world now, so I think it is a bit easier. Mm. Um, but, yes, it is – It is. Uh, you, you have to oh, – I think there's a, there's a difference. When I – when I became an actor, you, you you knew you were going to have to give up things like, um, you know, being rich, mm. you know, yeah. or even having a house, you know. You knew you were going to have to, you, 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 you know, there was a reasonable chance that you weren't going to have a, the life of, you know, someone who'd gone to law school, mm. you know. So, but, and so you gave that up and you did it I'm sounding like a grumpy old <laughs> things were better in my day yeah yeah but I think now there is a lot more money in in acting and you do get people that are you know that they have a more corporate view of it I'm going to I'm going to you know I'm going to go to the gym twice a week I'm going to go over to LA in pilot season I'm going to get a manager and a, and you know it's all planned out and I'm going to make squillions of dollars mm. um there's a lot of that. Now. Isn't it harder because there's so much out there? There's so many people who now want to do acting. There are, but 
it's much more, in a sense, it's much more open. Is it you know, much I more think, commercial now? Well, there's so much more stuff. Yeah. There's so yeah. much more stuff. Well, you've you got know. streaming now as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. and also, you know, anyone who has an iPhone can make a short film, you know, mm. basically. So there's a lot of people out there making stuff and making stuff and making stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, yeah. There's a friend of mine who's just gone over to the to the UK and she's, you know, she's older than me. She's 10 years older than me. Um and she said she's gone there, even though the population is much mm. bigger. There is so much more work there, and already she's getting mm. little bits and pieces mm. of work, you know. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, pilot season, um, and I don't think pilot season really is much of a thing now as it used to be. Probably not. Yeah. Probably five five years ago, yeah. even. Um, yeah. So, did you ever do try or try out in pilot season? No, no. If I, I mean, if I was going to go overseas, I would go to the UK. But it's you know, I'm. Too old and ugly now. <laughs> I'm not going to go over and start leopard again. I won't. It makes me weep to even think about it. Um, yeah, no, Australia's. I mean, and I think there's something about there's something great about telling Australian stories. Mm. You know, I am, I am, I'm forming an Australian myth, yeah. Australian culture. You know, yeah. and I think that's a great thing to do. And I don't really. I mean, if someone comes to me and says, "I'll oh, be in this American thing," and you just have to do an American accent, then sure. But. It, it, I like doing Australian stuff. You know, mm, it's, mm. it's it's rewarding. It's more rewarding, I think. Is it for me more? Is it closer to the heart, yeah, Australia? Than absolutely. It would, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, there was a, there's a. I've always thought that Australians, we have a difficult time with the idea of the male, the masculine. You know, the, the male lead, and who is that, and what is our idea of what a man is? It's all a little bit hard and dry and 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 rigid mm. i reckon um i don't think we do men very the, 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 we don't do men very well in film and tv i don't right. i don't think we understand or our or our definition of what a man is doesn't allow much doesn't allow for uh, difference mm. or or gentleness or softness so um you know i spent 5 years doing um Winners and Losers on Channel 7, which was this mm. dramedy, and I played this gentle, happy, unambitious man who just was delighted at the fact that he had a family, you know? Right. And you know, it's sound, trying to say this without sounding pretentious, <laughs> but I think as, of all the things I've done, that was one of the most important, even though it was only, you know, a step up from a soap mm. because it was putting on Australian screens a different version of a male. Mm. You know, you can be this male, just gentle and and happy and and um and here yeah, here's a here's an alternative. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well what were some of those early days like for you when you were trying to make a career in acting? Um what sacrifices did you have to make along along the way? I mean, you touched on them uh, a little bit. There. Yeah. When I first came to Melbourne, I came to Melbourne in '93, and and uh, that was a, you know I had worked in Adelaide and I'd done theatre and but no one knew me in Melbourne, so there were long periods of of absolute you know not being able to go out of the house mm. and and um, living just you know I, I remember getting back from somewhere and I had six dollars fifty or something like mm. that, and I went. Oh no! It was, it was something like I can't remember. It was enough for beer and cigarettes, or food, but <laughs> yeah, not both. Yeah, yeah. So I went to get beer and cigarettes. 
Um, yeah. As, so, you, as one should <laughs> in that situation. Yes. I mean, but that's, you know, uh, uh, so I, uh, yeah. But then, you know, things get, but I think it's got constant, it's a constant battle, mm. you know, when you're living from contract to contract, mm. constant battle. Well, yeah, still. I mean, that is freelance work. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, not alone in that, no. Ha- yeah. How long did it take before you got that first, that first big role? Uh, well, in Adelaide I managed to, I was just doing little bits and things and then I I auditioned for this little theatre company called Magpie Theatre, which was children's theatre. It was part of the state theatre company, but you got a year's salary, you know, mm. and that's unheard of. And that's really when I became an actor because um, it was just a year doing doing acting stuff, mm. you know, and, and a salary coming in every week. So that was, and I did that for um, two and a bit years. So that was um, really great. Two years. Yeah. That's, I know. It was, it was extraordinary yeah. thinking that I had a, a regular salary every every week just to, you know, a, a nice little theatre company. Um, but I think in in Melbourne, well, just the work started to come bits and mm. bits and pieces, bits mm. and pieces, and then I managed to get on full frontal, mainly I have to say because because of Sean McAuliffe. Mm. Um, he, he ran an audition process which was, you know, I don't think there was anything hanging on mm. it. I think I, he was going to cast me anyway. Um, and once I got that, I, that, that made things a bit easier. W- yeah. Was that when that um, formation of that relationship with Sean came in? Was no, I, I was at uni with Sean. Oh, okay. So we did uh, we did uh, Footlights oh, together, yeah. and uh, that's when I met him. And I remember my first show. You know, rehearsals would start at five. Sean and I would be there at four, mm. you know, waiting to go in because it was so um, exciting. And I think that was a little sign that, you know, the two of us were more obsessed with it than, than anyone else. And so then when when we left uni, we kept on doing shows together um, and that's, you know, that's where mm. the whole thing, that's where the relationship started. So then I came to Melbourne to pursue, to try and get, some work mm. and started to get work and then I think about a year later he came over and got work on, um, was it Bob Franklin's? No, it was Jim Owen's show yeah. or something like that and um, then he got Full Frontal and then um, he brought me on, which was very good of him. Yeah, that that was it a true partnership with, with Sean or was it more a... Um... Well, he's always been the writer. Yeah. You know, so it's not really Elena and Woodley yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah. It's just that um he's worked with me so long. And I think we've got a good comic rapport. Mm. Um but he's always been the writer, even back at Footlights, he was the one who wrote the stuff. Um so yes, it's not exactly I wouldn't say it was completely equal. Yeah, I would always sort of call that or was it the employer employee relationship, but it wasn't a partnership. It was Yeah, more, I think yeah. it's more like that. I mean yeah. I think Laurel and Hardy are a bit like that. Laurel was the one that wrote it all mm. and Hardy was just the actor. You know. Yeah. What were you in. guys studying at uni? Well, I did arts um, and he did law. Mm. So he, he he was a lawyer for some time. Um, Could you imagine Sean McAuliffe as a lawyer? <laughs> he was a very serious young man. Yeah, he was. A- he does strike me as serious, but I could not imagine him as a lawyer now. Maybe a politician, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, I mean, Mad as Hell lasted a a decade, yeah. which is sort of unheard of yeah. in Australia, um, unless you know Neighbours or Home and Away. I mean, 
Australian comedy shows don't usually last that long. No, I, I, the ABC really liked it. I, I think you know, it was there's there's always material. Mm. You know, there was always material there, so the writers didn't need to have to worry too much about what they're going to write about because it was just there. Yeah, um, and it was you know in a sense money for jam because if you can be funny about what's happening and pretend it's 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 political commentary then you know everyone everyone loves it mm. but having said that the writing i think was they were was brilliant you mm. know the, the, those writers um so yeah it, it and i but sometimes i i used to think well yeah it's all very well you know that that these things are happening and here we do a sketch about the latest thing that morrison's done and everyone laughs mm. and goes ha ha there's my you know, social commentary for the... But really perhaps the response should have been anger and fury yeah. that these things were happening rather than allowing people to laugh about it. Mm. But, you know, people needed to, I think. And I think it finished at a good time because, mm. you know, without being too political, we did have, you know, 10 years of this um, liberal governments that, that, you know, just needed to be mocked mm. and then we got rid of them and and, you know... The people that replaced them weren't aren't quite as, um, you know, monumentally idiotic. Although you know they started to disappoint, you know, yeah, as they were. pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it didn't exactly. take too long. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, did, what uh, special places Mad as Hell hold for you? Because I imagine if you're on a TV show for that long, it would sort of remain a very special thing to you. Now I, it allowed me to feed my children, which yeah. was nice. No, I mean it was a very good gig. It was a, it was a fantastic gig, and the writing was fantastic. And you know, and even during the lockdown, you know, the ABC still, the ABC had to still keep going. And so some mm. of the shows they said, well, we're going to keep on doing this. And so we were one of them. So we worked all the way through those lockdowns, which was just you know we were so lucky. It, it's quite funny because I thought that show worked better without. An audience, yeah. Because I really liked it, it, without there, an audience. A, it feels like you got um, more jokes packed into a to a yeah. show than you would with the interruption of yeah. laughter or, or applause. Well, sometimes they laugh at the wrong because they're so the audience, studio audience, are so they love the show. They love the show so much they want to come and watch yeah. it. Mm. And then the warm up guy, you know, works them up to a fever pitch, mm. and so they're just laughing at everything. And sometimes they laugh at the feed line rather than the punchline mm. and you go, well, they're not going to, they've ruined the gag now. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. not going to laugh at the punchline because you laughed at the feed line. So it really did bugger up your timing sometimes. We, we had uh, Ben Lomas in here a couple of weeks oh, ago right, who yeah. did, well, did warm up for that show, yeah. yeah it's his fault. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, and, and it was quite nice just to go because it's always an awkward thing. You're doing a live night, you've got an audience there, but you're actually doing it in front of the camera. Mm. So you really do need to ignore the audience and do it for the camera, but you can't really ignore the audience because they're the ones providing the the laugh. So, mm-hmm. so it was quite nice to just go. I don't have to worry about the audience. Yeah. I just have to go and do the sketch, and then I, yeah. Was it a daunting task to keep up with all the politics? So well, I would we, imagine you'd have to act. You'd, it would be a very fast show to yeah put together. We didn't have to worry about that because we weren't the writers. But certainly mm. you'd get you know he. he you got to. I've got to play the guitar on Monday, and I can play mm. it. I've got to play this piece on Monday, and you go. Well, I've got one day to to get it ready, or, mm. or you know, there was one sketch where we were all Woody Allen, and <laughs> suddenly you realise you've got to do a Woody Allen impersonation. Mm. I don't have a Woody Allen impersonation, mm. so suddenly you've got to get a Woody Allen impersonation. So yeah, it was pretty quick. Mm. Yeah, for us. Yeah. Um, did you have a favourite um, character on that show? 
Um, well, there was one character that I was really quite fond of, um, and he was he came out. He, his name was Larry Sideburns, and he came out of these vox pops we did, just a camera on the street, and he was always furious, mm. and he's always talking at the at the top of his voice about something that he was absolutely absolutely furious about, and it worked in a, a live setting because he was inappropriately loud and always loud and always angry and there was something, you know, that was funny about that. So the crew would piss themselves, that's fine. But when we got to filming it, they'd turn me down, mm. you know, necessarily when it came to the last, you know, moment of editing, he'd be turned down so his <laughs> voice... So the character, it, I love doing it. But the I don't think the character ever really worked on screen. It was a it was only a live mm. character, um, and then he started to appear in sketches, and he couldn't be angry all the time. Mm. But he was only of an angry character. Mm. So I really liked that character, but I never I think he was you know diluted a little <laughs> bit by by having to film it. Mm. Yeah, it, is it? Um... Is there an odd feeling now that the show is over because this is the first year you've been without Mad as Hell? Is what what is life like now that that yeah part of your life is over? Well, every Sunday, you know, the final at five o'clock, the final scripts would come for the mm. Tuesday, and 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 we'd text each other and say, "Have you got your scripts? Have you got your scripts?" Mm. And and Sunday at five comes, and there there are no scripts, mm. so that's a bit strange. I mean, I do think that. I'd, I've done it for long enough. It's a very specific thing, you know. Sean's writing is really specific. It's not mm. like other. It's not like other comedians' writing, I don't think. And so, and the characters are always a bit out there. Mm. So I don't think there's any other job in Australia that that sort of performance is. You know, it doesn't. It's not transferable. Mm. So I think I've done ten years of a job that no one really wants anyone to do anymore yeah you know? so there's a there's that sort of feeling about what the hell do i do now yeah yeah did, did the abc ever push back on any sketches or did they oh no you can't do that or yeah, occasionally, you have to take that out yeah. occasionally there were um <clears throat> there were legal things i think there was something about i think there was something about chris pine that um we weren't allowed to do there was uh, there was a sketch, actually, not for Mad as Hell, but for McCullough Program. I don't know if you remember that yeah, one. Yes, of course, yeah. Sketch comedy, and it was a show, it was a sketch about uh, it was it was a sketch about Weary Dunlop being a transvestite, but it was not about that. It was about putting on a sketch that suggested that Weary Dunlop was a transvestite and not being able to because the the phones went so it wasn't right. even suggesting yeah it was saying what if we did this this is what would happen mm. and that was it the you know the, the ABC just got completely um, uh, frantic and and that could not go mm. on it was a very funny sketch but um, yeah no that one couldn't <clears throat> go on because you can't you can't even suggest that suggesting Weary Dunlop is a transvestite would be outrageous mm. you can't say that even yeah so yeah that one didn't get up which is a pity um, you've got quite a uh, Big, uh, you know, uh, career in theatre as well. Yeah, um, and you've done quite a lot of Shakespeare um, over three years. Or, a little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit of Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, what What is it about William Shakespeare that um, make all actors, you know, feel sort of some sort of validation? I think um, he's, when, when um, they do a Shakespeare, I think play. he's 
he's he's not good for plot. Mm. You know that you wouldn't watch one of his plays for for an exciting plot, really. And he's he's not good for um, psychological truth in the way that we know it now. Mm. But he is a poet, and so he's you know he he. It's the way he uses the language. Mm. That's what makes him so great. And the fact that he, he, you know, he was writing at a time when the English language was, was you know, fairly malleable and, and the amount of words that he actually invented and the amount of, you know, he invented the word bubble. I mean, I think if Is I had invented right? the word bubble, I'd go, well, that's <laughs> it. I, I, I can die happy. You know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. But And they say that, you know, He's he's such fun to rehearse because you, you start rehearsing and there's so much possibility, you know. And there's mm. and there's how am I going to get all these meanings in this one line? Mm. You know, how can I do it? Um, but impossible to perform because it, it, you know you can't. Yeah, you can't. But he is. You know, there is no one greater than him as far as as far as expressing something poetically. You know, he's, mm. he's, wow. he's extraordinary, yeah. Where does um, theatre fall in your preference? When do you, Would you like, when it comes to TV, movie and theatre, do, do you prefer theatre over? Theatre's more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And also you work you work much harder for less money, but you <clears> work much harder. I mean, you, can, you, you, you meet someone on a film set and you have, you know, you, you have a scene that involves three lines and you spend... Mm. You know the afternoon doing it, and you say, "Good to work with you." When yeah. you but you haven't really. You mm. know, in theatre, you you spend four weeks rehearsing it before you even yeah. get on stage. So it's much more rewarding and much more fun. But then once you do get on stage, you've got to keep on doing it. You know, mm. that's the you can't just do it once and go. <clears throat> well, that's it. Um, so they have their. They both have their. I mean, it's the same process, but mm. yeah, they both have their. Um, their advantages. I did um, stand-up comedy for about a year uh, and I would get such stage fright before yeah. I go on stage to do it. So, And I've acted in a couple of plays back in high school and post-high school a little bit um, and I didn't, have, I didn't have those same nerves because it felt like you have a bit more of a safety net because you're working with other people. You're just not out yeah. by yourself doing stand-up comedy. And you're doing some, someone else's yeah. lines too. Exactly, you're yeah. Lines. I did a bit of stand-up. My first gig ever was in the <coughs> Hotel New or something in Thomastown mm -hmm. and the audience talked all the way through the yeah. act from beginning to end um, and I thought, that's it, I'm never doing it again. And, and I was the, um, the warm-up guy to, a, to an Elvis Presley impersonator mm. and yeah. his idea of banter was to go, hey, what about the stand-up? Was he good? <laughs> And everyone said, "No, he's shit house." And then he'd sing a song, and then he'd ask the same question. He was, "He's still shit house." And I thought that was the worst thing that could possibly happen. And then I kept on doing it for a little while. And then I had to do this um, Christmas party of builders at some builders association, and they were completely quiet from the moment mm. I opened my mouth to the end. The only sound yeah. I heard was someone saying, "Yeah, that one wasn't bad." And that's the only yeah. sound I got the I, whole time. I think silence is worse silence than, than is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you still get that sort of same feeling if a, if you're doing like a comedic play and, and there's a line that doesn't work. I still think you 
feel the sort of same yes. as you would if you were doing stand-up comedy, though. Yeah, it's and as still... you and as you said in the beginning, that comedy is much <clears throat> harder than theater because I was talking to Dan the other day. <clears throat> I think when someone's doing a stand-up comedy, the feedback is so quick. Yeah. It's so instant. I think in yeah. any other platform, that's the quickest feedback you yes. get from the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So it's much harder than uh, theater or yeah. acting. And I mean, drama, you can <clears> just do it. You know, I, I feel this, so I'm just going to emote. But comedy, if you don't get the timing absolutely right, mm. you know, mm. if you stuff up one word, then you don't get the laugh. Yeah. You know, it's the um, externals that you've got to have it in the right shape and it's got to be, you've got to have the, the inside as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. How long does TV take to make um outside of matter cell when you're doing like a narrative um type tv show how is it i, I know in america it takes them about a week and and a bit to, to film one episode of a television show yeah. is that the same it is the same when i was doing winners and losers we would do i think we would do uh, two episodes at the one time mm-hmm. and it would be a block of two weeks so that's about you know one episode every every week i think that's about right yeah but it depends you know um I just done this thing which involved, it just involved. It was two scenes, but it took two days. You know. So, yeah, which yeah. is sort of crazy. You don't sort of realize, like, when you're watching the the final products, just as an audience member, and you don't realize, no. like, a two minute scene could have taken them, yeah. as you said, two two days to film. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Is that um, any sort of frustration there when you when you're an actor and yeah. you just want to? Definitely. Get the job done like, because you spend most time off set. Yeah, you it is like you're playing a theatre game where your objective is to act mm. and everyone else's objective is to stop you acting, mm. you know. So the director will stop you and the cameraman says you've got to stand there and then move to there and then you've got makeup people doing this mm. in your face and you've got, you know, the sound guy fiddling with a mic pack behind your back and you've got the wardrobe fiddling with your clothes and and then the continuity person comes up and says you put the coffee coffee cup down in the wrong place you know mm. everything is there to stop you it was interesting sean mccarliffe um uh, i was talking to him about it and he was saying it's a bit like you know when you do theater it's like you're an you're shooting a bow and arrow. So you put the arrow in the bow and that's rehearsal. And then when opening night comes, you pull the arrow back and you let go and you go on stage and you do it till the end. Mm. And with TV, you're doing a little bit every single time. So you're constantly putting the arrow in the bow and pulling it back but never quite releasing it. Yeah, and then you've got to stop and then yeah. you've got to pull it back again and pull it back. And it's it's completely exhausting. When you go home at the end of a day, Filming, if you've been filming all day, it's a tiredness that's it's not a physical tiredness, it's a, almost a mm. I don't know, a spiritual tiredness. Mm. It's just so debilitating. Yeah. yeah. What 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 actors inspire you oh. now? You see, everyone always asks me this question. I never know. Oh, what no, to what say. actors inspire you now? Like just not when you were growing up, um, but like what actors are doing like amazing work today? Oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I I always think I should have a good answer for this, but I never do. Um I like actors who are truthful. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's. I tell you, I, I like. Um, I've always thought that uh, Jim Broadbent in in the UK. Oh yes, yeah, is a lovely man mm-hmm. and a lovely actor, and had the has had the sort of career that I would have quite liked. Mm. I've always admired him. Um, I think he was Slughorn in in. The Harry Potter stuff, mm-hmm. and he was in all that. Um, oh, he's been around. He's done tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah, um, I've always liked him. But um, yeah, I, you know, I can't answer that. 
What do you think, Francis, are the hallmarks of a good actor? Uh, I think the most important thing is empathy. Mm. You know, not only is, I mean, I think it's the most important thing for a human being, but I think it's, you know, the, the, it's when you see two people on a football field and they bang their heads together, heads together, mm. you, you immediately wince because you can you, you immediately empathise, not sympathise, but empathise. You put yourself in their position mm. and that's what an actor has to do so they don't have the visual aid of two people banging heads together to do it. They've got to do it from the words on the page and their own imagination. But, you know, when when Juliet is sitting about to take the potion that's going to render her unconscious and she's going to wake up in the tomb and she's 14 or 13, mm. that actress, if they're doing their job properly, has to be terrified themselves. It's not just I'm saying the lines and, mm. and trying to persuade you that I'm... I'm if, you, if, you, if you've understood the circumstances of the, of the plot and you empathise, then... You you will be terrified. Mm. That is the most important thing. You've got that. If you've got empathy and you can you can put yourself in other people's position, then you you're, you're home and hosed. I mean, I think it's the most important human characteristic as well. Mm. Really, to, you know, to be to be empathetic. Mm. More politicians were empathetic. We wouldn't be in so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That. What, what's the most terrifying thing as as an actor? Ah, uh, you know, I always have those awful actors' dreams where. You, you, your name is called. You, you know, you hear your cue. Mm. You're not on stage. You you don't have the right prop. Forgetting your lines is quite terrifying. Mm. That 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 is really, I think, that's you know the 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 open void. You know, and, and I I get to the stage where you know, if you've been doing a show for a while, I get to the stage going, oh fuck, what's my next line? I've got mm. no idea what my next line is, and having to go. I'm just going to have to calm down because when someone says to me, hi, how are you, Mr Jones, mm. I know what the line is going to mm. be. I've got to trust that it's there and you do calm down and and then so far the line has been there. Yeah. But, you know, one day it won't be and then, and you know, it's a, it's an awful feeling forgetting your lines. Yeah. Has, there, has there been projects where you just, just memorise your lines? Do you, do you memorise the whole thing? Do you, By the or end is that it, too daunting to do? By the end of it, you know pretty well what everyone's lines are. Yeah. Uh, there's a lovely Australian actor called Kim Gingell that I was on Full Frontal with, and his method of of uh, preparing to do a sketch would be to write down his lines mm. and only learn those so that when, you know, someone said their line to him, he would not have heard it before and th- there would be a truthful response mm. of I'm listening mm. to you for the first time. Yeah. That, well, I found that very interesting. I mean, I suppose that's like Marlon Brando sticking, you know, he used to stick the script around the set so he never learned his lines. Yeah. Um, so it was always new and truthful. Can you explain to someone who's never been on a set how much, how big of a role does a director and a writer play during you guys are performing? Uh, filming you're talking filming, about? Filming, yes. Um, well, it depends. You know, mad as hell after the... After a while, the cast really knew what the characters were, so there wasn't so much there need. There was an understanding of the, yeah. some, some sort of embodiment of the characters. Yeah, but on the other hand, the director is absolutely vital to go, uh, Francis, you're going to have to stop, uh, you know, two steps before because we can't see your face if you stop. Mm. You know, there's that visual thing about yeah. fitting it into the to the frame. The writer you, you, you never see. You never never saw the mm. writers. Um, 
you know. Uh, I think the directors are always keeping a schedule as, as yeah. well. But yeah. then, you know, in, 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 the, the last thing I did was the Foxtel thing. Um, you know, I, I was getting constant... Uh, Constant direction from from the director mm. because they were trying to get a particular effect and they wanted a particular effect and I was doing it one way and they wanted another. So you know, it depends on the mm-hmm. depends on the on the on the project. So it's a director's vision that drives the whole thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, both both theatre and I mean, I think theatre is actually ruled by direct by the director, which is a, you know a bit of a pity sometimes. And you come to re- you're cast in a play, you come to the first day of rehearsal. They've already been talking for months. They've mm-hmm. already got the set and the costumes and, you know, we're going to set, you know, Julius Caesar on Mars. You've got no control over mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to go with it. So the director is absolutely the king. Um, and certainly in the, in the, when you're filming, the director is the only person who's, who's well, it's an impossible job, but they're connecting the, they've got a relationship with the cast and they've got to get the performances, but they've also got to have this technical relationship with all the crew. So there's a schizophrenic thing going yes. on, but they are mm. absolute, you know, king or queen. Mm. Yeah. Having so much of experience, did you ever thought or do you ever want to direct something for yourself? I have done a little bit of direction, um, but only things like student productions or someone's come to mm. me and said I want a... a um, we did we did something for the... I think it was for the Fringe. It's a nice play and they gave us a... They gave us a... Um, this huge room and we didn't know whether we were going to put the set at this end or that end. So we decided we were going to put revolving chairs in the middle and we were going to have at both ends. Mm. And this was fantastic and, you know, this is going to be great. And then because it was such a, you know, there was no budget, when the lighting guy put the lights in I realised that there weren't enough lights to light one half of the stage on one side. So everyone standing there was in complete darkness mm. the whole time. <laughs> I love directing. I, I, it's a bit like... Um, you can see your dream come true on a screen. It's um, I haven't done any directing on screen, but mm. I've done theatre directing. Oh, yeah. But I, I prefer doing it almost when, you know, with students. If I'm doing a student production, I can boss them around a little bit more. Mm. <laughs> with a uh, with actors, there's there's more ego involved. Uh, I see. You yeah. know, of course. And, and I think the higher up you go, you know, the state theatre companies, I've seen you know directors be very not be able to to get the performance they want because they know they can't, you know, get it out of that person because they are they are the big star and, and they don't dare, you know, uh, they don't dare tell them. Mm. Yeah. Well, but no, it's fun. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that you're um, an, act, an acting teacher as, as well. How, how do you teach acting? How does one go about teaching an actor? Well... Yeah, good question. I mean, I got into it because uh, people wanted me to teach comedy and mm. I think that's even more tricky Yeah, because, you know, w- w- comedy is such a fast thing anyway and how do you teach someone to be funny? Well, you yeah. can't teach yeah. them to be funny. They're either understandable or <coughs> well, it's funny. I, I did a comedy course. The <coughs> thing that that comedy course taught me was to be confident on stage. That's sort of... And that's really, it. That's pretty much it, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are things. Th- th- yeah. There are principles uh as far as teaching comedy goes, you know, there are various principles. Don't try and be funny. Play for the truth, mm. you know. Um, and so you try and... But then you just do it by... I mean, I do it by giving them stuff to do and then and then talking about what they've done. Mm. Yeah, and talking about um, things like empathy and, and, yeah. How long have you been doing that for? A while. 
Um, I was very bad to start with, but I have got better. And it it has made me look at, you know, what I do because mm-hmm. you go, well, how am I going to teach? Well, what do I do? And then try and... Mm-hmm. I mean, most acting theories are fairly similar. You mm-hmm. know, there's the same principles involved. There's, they differ on, on, on a certain number of things. Um, but I'm not one of those ones who... You know, gets you in a room and makes you cry about your lost dog, and mm. and and then you've had a catharsis and you're an actor. You know? Does it does it feel like more of a collaboration when you're teaching a class rather than nah, uh, te- nah, no, no, nah. not with students? <laughs> They're like warm puppets. I yeah, can do what I want. Right, with it. Yeah, I like it. I, I do like it because yeah, um, assuming that they want to be there and want to learn, you know, mm. then it's um it's quite fun but it does make you feel old i'm teaching some at the moment and they're 19 i don't know you you two aren't 19 but you know they're 17 18 19 mm. oh my god <laughs> have you seen a difference in their psychology and how the how the psychology of the kids work well not kids but <clears throat> difference in psychology of actors back when you started or back in your time and now yeah. Do, do you see a difference? Because well, this is what I was saying before, you yeah. know. And I was working with this this guy who was playing my son, and he was telling me this story about um, about how he decided to be an actor. And he had just gone from a, a state school to a to a private school his first day, and there was big assembly, and the the principal stood up and said, "Now, so and so is going to sing a, a song, some song from a musical," and stood up and, and sang it. And the guy who was playing my son, lovely man and a, and a lovely actor, was looking around thinking this guy's going to get thumped in the, you know, at, mm. at lunchtime. And then at the end um, he got a standing ovation. And the response from th- this actor who was telling me the story, because I thought it was going to be, and when he started singing I realised that was the effect of His response was when they gave him the standing ovation I realised I want to have that. So he, it wasn't the fact that mm. they were doing anything. It was the response. It was the ovation. Mm. And I think that's that gets back to, you know, when I started out, you became an actor, you knew you were going to be poor, but you'd be unhappy doing anything else. Now it's I'm going to have millions of people all around the world watch me on screen. I'm going to make squillions of money. Mm. And I think that makes a difference, you know. I think that makes a difference to I think the motivation as to why you do it makes a, a difference to and I've I've never seen any examples of that. I couldn't point to a to young actors and say, look, they're shit house. But mm-hmm. you know, um, I do think there's more. Not that I'm saying you know that it, it, you shouldn't be well rewarded for for acting. Why, you know, why shouldn't you be? But I think that's a that's one of the things that happens is that people do it because they are because of the people do it because of the lifestyle rather than despite it. Mm. True. Yeah. True. And I think um, I've also realised that. Most most people would just pick up a phone, make videos, and they can still make money if they're they're good entertainers. Yeah. But people who are actually spending their time and money to get into acting or learning acting, there there has to be some sort of a love for it. But I think you're right. It's much of much more of a lifestyle attraction yeah. than it's. A, well, a lot of the students, are, you know, are going. You know, they don't want to do theatre. They want to do TV, film and TV and, and mm-hmm. go to the States. And, the, and yeah. the, the, the boys especially, all they want to do is is hold a gun to someone's head in, a, in, a, you yeah. know, in an American um, action movie or have a gun held to their head, you know. And, and you know, that's, that's a certain style of 
acting, I suppose, but I don't think it's very it's interesting. Much of a mm. lifestyle thing. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. basically just wanting to skip to the end, right? <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not putting all the hard work. It yeah. takes. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. I know that I'm sure there's some really lovely and brilliant young actors around, and I'm I'm making a ludicrous generalization. <laughs> How do you approach a bad script as as an actor? Uh, sorry, I'm busy uh, that month. So I, I, I can't. I'd love to do it, but no. Nah. Um, I've been quite lucky because I've done so much stuff with Sean, so you just tend to. Mm. And But if it's for money, then, you know, you generally, you know, it's unlikely that you're in a position to not say, to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. It's the ones that can you do this, you know, for free mm. and it's a terrible script and then you go, no, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to yeah. do something for free. Yeah, but if if the script is really awful and the part isn't very rewarding, mm. not, then I'll just tactfully get out of it. Um, yeah, and sometimes you know you say yes, but for long enough they'll 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 go mm. away. What what is your um, what's one of the funnest projects that you've worked on throughout your career? Um. Well, on th- in theatre, I'd say I-, I did a show years and years ago for Magpie, and it was part of the festival, and it was a it was a a, a set in a country town. Half the cast were Aboriginal, half the cast were white. It was a musical, but all the songs were none of them were sort of musical songs. They were mm. all someone singing a talent quest, or someone sitting around a campfire, or you know, someone singing at a funeral. There was always a reason for it, but it was um and Paul Kelly. Uh, wrote all the songs mm. and uh, wrote the and then was in it as well. And all of us who who could play instruments got to play in a band with Paul Kelly. Mm-hmm. And so I was the only one who played keyboard. So I was Paul Kelly's keyboard player for you know for, for the period we did mm. the show, and that was fantastic. Um, that was really that's one of my best you know theatrical memories. As far as TV goes, Sean did this. Um, sitcom called the XPM. Oh, yes. Yep. And yeah. uh, I remember Phil and I had this lovely character who was the, the chauffeur and I remember coming to work thinking, this is fantastic, this is going to be so mm. good and, and it had such a good feeling about it and it was going to be hilarious. And then when it went on, it, it was not. Mm. There was something about it that didn't work. Mm. I don't know what it was but, um, yeah, and that was such fun to to be in mm. was one of those things that you think it's going to be a hit yeah. and then and then it just wasn't, mm. you know, and I don't know why, you know, the various reasons I'm sure. Um, so that was really disappointing but it was such fun to work on. Was John Clark in that one? He was, that, yeah. In the, the first series, yeah. He was, in, he was in the first series and... I can't remember if he was in the second. Neither can I. Isn't that terrible? I think he was. Mm. And I remember going to the cast drinks at the end of the... The last shot in the whole thing was him and then we went to the cast drinks and I was standing around in a in a uh, in a circle hmm. and he was telling this story about how he managed to get a friend and him into the MCG by pretending the friend was in a wheelchair and someone came up to me and I turned around and said Oh, hello, blah, 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 nice to see you, blah, the drinks are over there. I turned back, everyone laughed and I thought, I've, I've missed John Clark's story about the, mm. the guy in the wheelchair and then the next day he died. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it was extraordinary. Yeah. We want to talk about legends in, in oh, Australian yeah. comedy. 
He is He's absolutely one of the best. And one of the interesting things about him was he, he loves a chat. Mm. And he would, I don't know how he did it, he would find the one thing that you and he had in common mm. and he would just talk to you, you know, every single person on that set, the crew and the cast, all had a relationship with John because he would he would focus on them. He would mm. find what they were interested in and, and that he also was interested in, which was a large number of things, and, and that would be your relationship with him. Everyone had a relationship. Oh, I he love was, that story. Yeah, he, he was, really sounded like he took the time. He did. To, he was he yeah. was such a lovely man. He's yeah. such a lovely man. I remember reading his um, one of his daughters saying that he would he would say I'm just off down to the shop for milk, and they know he'd be gone a couple of hours because mm. he would find people and and start chatting to them. You mm. know? Yeah, great man. Oh, um, on your website and oh, I think dear. on Wikipedia, All right. you, it says that you're a translator as well. Yeah, I did French at. Um, university, that was my major, and and there was also a club that did French theatre. So we mm. did a lot of French theatre. That's you know, um, which was great. And so yes, I have. I got commissioned to. to there's a guy called Fado who was around at the turn of the 20th century, mm. 1900s, and he wrote these. Flea in his ear is, flea in your ear is is his sort of famous one, but he wrote these extraordinary farces, you know, they're hilarious. Everyone's got something vaguely wrong with them and people coming in the wrong doors and trying to get everyone else in bed and, you know, that sort of chaos. Um, and and they're just hilarious. And I got commissioned by the Sydney Theatre Company to, to translate one, which I did, mm. um, but they never um, programmed it. And I'm, I'm doing another one at the moment. But, yeah, I'd love to get it on because this, he, he, yeah, he really is the master of... Of hilarious farce. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we'll start to wrap up in a second. Um, thank you for so. Thank you so much for. Thank you for inviting doing me this. to talk it's about myself. A, it's been a good chat. Um, so looking ahead towards the future now, what what do you see yourself doing now? Um, I think it's going to take. My theory is it's going to take people a while to get, um, to get the image of me playing a loud idiot on Mad as mm. Hell for two minutes in a ludicrous sketch mm. out of their heads. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I just want to keep on working. At the beginning of my career I said I, I just want to be able to support myself and I want to be able to choose between projects mm. and then I realised that being choosing between projects isn't actually that much fun mm. because you've got to reject one, you know. And sort of a very limited box that you're putting yourself yeah. in as well that I'll only yeah. yeah so I just want you know I just want to work mm. yeah in, in whatever whatever format but now would you lean more heavily towards drama now, I'd love then? to do some more drama yeah. but I'm not you know whatever whatever comes along I'm also slightly more um being older and having children I'm slightly less gung-ho I suppose mm. I remember when I'd first come to Melbourne this uh, talking to an actor and he said um well I've been asked to do this play but it's you know it's just me and another guy and it's in in this it's this torture scene and it's just one room and I really can't bear the idea of doing I haven't got the energy and thinking you were insane you've been mm. given a good part and a good play and just because it's a little emotionally draining you don't want to do it and now I go yeah I just actually understand mm. you know am I do I have to spend all this energy to do this so I'm slightly less gung-ho yeah. nowadays, but, yeah, I still want to work. Yeah. For, for any um, struggling actors out there, just 
slugging away. Mm. Um, what what words of advice would you impart on on them? Um, well, uh, as long as they are convinced that they will be unhappy if they don't do it, mm. uh, you know, because a lot of people want to be actors and then after a while they realise the lifestyle is not for them mm. and they... So as long as you're prepared to put up with that because you you couldn't bear to do anything else, then the only thing that is... only thing that every working actor, you know, who's managed to work for a considerable number of time, the only thing they have in common is persistence. Mm. You know, they never stopped. They never gave up. They, they hung around like a bad smell until someone mm. cast them. So... You know, but you've got to be sure that that's what you want to do. Yeah. You know, because if it isn't, then find something else. Well, I think with us it's just, look, it may be a financial burden sometimes but it may be a bit of a struggle because we still have a nine to five but let's just keep doing it. Let's just persist because it's we're different people when we're doing this as well. So that that's some yeah. great advice. You've got to find what you like and do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a... Good, good place to end. Unless you have any more questions, I'm good. But it's so just to give you a little. Um, Dan brings in his guests that he's interested in. I would bring in my guests, and uh, one it's of the other sort of a marriage between the two. Right. Yeah, and um, it was an amazing learning experience with your um, your experience. So I just want to thank you for taking your time out and being here. Pleasure.